0: Hi, and welcome to the, what I'm told is the 13th Leader Post Rider Rumblings video podcast. Nice, succinct title. That was the Leader Post uh, Philharmonic Philharmonic Orchestra, conducted by Vic Beethoven. We have our, we have two special guests this week. Murray McCormick is somewhere south of the border. Um, So, uh, I don't think I need to introduce either of them. They're both... uh, uh, very well known to readers of the Leader Post and media followers in general, but I will anyway. Jeff DeDecker, Decker, the outgoing entertainment <laughs> coordinator of the uh, Leader Post. Morning. And uh, from Rocco Radio, from the Leader Post, from the Kinders League Clarion, from the Moose Jaw Times Herald, <laughs> from the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, from Racquetball Canada, <laughs> from the Regina Sports Hall of Fame, um, Daryl Davis. Did I miss anything? No, that's okay, Rob. We, we can, <laughs> we, we've only got half an hour here, so let's get rocking. <laughs> We can could, we could enumerate <laughs> your other, other uh, functions if you want. Uh, I, have to, I have to apologize. I'm going on two hours sleep here. So the slurring of speech is not an audio problem. It's a me problem. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about the Rough Riders and maybe some other issues. I think Johnny Manziel is pretty topical these days. But uh, I think the big one that people are talking about during the Rider By Week is Terrell Owens and uh, his workout on Sunday uh, for Chris Jones. Uh, It's been quite the story ever since. We're still waiting as of this recording on Wednesday morning, too early. We're uh, waiting to find out if the Rough Riders will indeed offer or proceed with the Terrell Owens thing. But uh, I'll just throw it out there. Anybody want to comment on that one? No? Okay, we're done. (laughs) I got a kick out of your acronym, Rob. T.O. is too old
1: at 44. (laughs) Is he too old? Probably not. But for a position player, he might be. Is he good enough? Maybe, maybe not. We're going to find some things out. I I can't see them signing him after watching even the the limited workout that we saw on video. But uh, he's the type of guy who Chris Jones seems obsessed with. He goes after guys like that guys who have kind of a not that Terrell Owens was a real troublemaker, but he has kind of a up and down NFL past and those are the types of guys who Chris Jones likes and pursues. It gets them a little bit more publicity. If he can play, then it's worth the time, but Vince Young was a horrible experiment. Didn't work at all. We were curious, but that was about it. It was a sideshow. That's, to me, what this is going to be. If they try it, it's just a sideshow. And I, I can't see any reason why they can't find a younger player who doesn't have the baggage that Terrell Owens has.
2: And at least when they brought Vince Young in, he had the off-season workouts, he had training camp. Whereas you bring T.O. in now, and, I mean, it's the middle of the season. He's not in football shape. So it's going to take him a month at least to get into football shape. So then you're talking we're end of August before he's even ready to play. Is, is it worth all the effort? just to bring this guy in because well i'm an nfl fan and i like to and we'll bring him in wouldn't it be cool though <laughs> we, 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 it's
1: we've... curiosity factor more than anything though rob isn't it just like the johnny manziel thing right you want to see how they play but jeff's point is perfect he'll be 45 or 46 before he even starts playing if he's any good
2: my, my big component of contention is will this help the writers win and on first glance at it i don't think it will so why bother If I look at it though, and I'm not a a massive proponent of it, but I look at
0: their wide receivers and I'm not sure that uh, Terrell Owens would be be a downgrade. They don't have a touchdown from someone lined up as a wide receiver this Mm -hmm. year. Deron Carter had a touchdown against Edmonton, but he was playing slot back at the time. So Joshua Stanford, Shaq Evans, uh, Deron Carter's week one start at wide receiver. They have zero touchdowns from that position after seven games. So what can it hurt? Well, it's not imp- it's not an important position in the offense that they're running. They they
1: throw short passes. Your wide receiver has to run at least ten yards downfield to get open. So they're not. It, it's not the type of offense that uh, Stephen McAdoo, the offensive coordinator, is even using. They're, that's why they moved Daron Carter into slot back. So they have shorter passes. It fits in with their type of style. So why even have? As you say, they have two nobodies. I bet half the people watching couldn't even name the two wideouts for the Saskatchewan Roughriders, and it's because they're not producing. They're not doing anything so why would you want to add a Terrell Owens to that mix
2: so it's that's like the the chicken and the egg question though like are the wide receivers not being used because it's the offensive scheme or are they not getting open you or are know? they not any good well yeah that's your mm-hmm. other point and yeah. you talk about bringing Owens in where's the scouting department you know okay granted we have less than beautiful wide receivers, but we should be able, the riders should be able to bring in better people on a more regular basis. Because I keep hearing the drums being pounded for how good the front office is and how good the scouting department is, but I haven't seen that, at least when it comes to the wide receiving position. Or cornerback. Or, corner, or, or,
0: or, or, or know, offensive line. They, uh, they've reportedly signed Luchet uh, pur- Purifoy after his release from, from
2: Ottawa. Which he's acknowledged on Twitter already. Is His idea already refers to himself as a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders.
0: But aren't these the kind of moves that Brendan Tamman was maligned for making? Mm-hmm. Bringing in retreads or whatever, where are the fresh faces mm-hmm. instead of the Purifoy's of the world or the Terrell Owens's mm-hmm. and Purifoy
1: is one of those guys who didn't fit into Ottawa when you read everything that happened he wasn't the type of guy they wanted off the field so another rebel type who, who can join the Saskatchewan Rough Riders not found originally by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they found a few guys here and there mm-hmm. uh, you know Chris Jones is found like Willie Jefferson is kind of one of the cream of the crop recruits. Moncrief was a good fight Derek Moncrief a good Samuel a you know uh, Cresden Butler so they, they have brought some good ones but they are filling out the roster with cast offs which is how it works in the canadian football league do they do they meld together into a football team and that's one of the points that we talk about quite a bit on our radio show is do these guys all of a sudden come together and have a good strong core to, that makes them a, a strong team they released a lot of those guys the bakari grants and the Rob bags and the Chad ones those types of guys do these new guys help to that Chris Jones doesn't seem to care. He thinks just putting a whole bunch of talent together will make a football team. It doesn't always work that way. So you have to watch and see who he brings in. And is somebody, do they have a a, a leader like a Mike Riley? No, because their quarterback, Zach Caleros, has been hurt most of the year. So they have to meld it somehow. It's not just talent. There's more to it than that.
2: So there's a bye week help at this point of the season with that melding that they kind of, they go away, refresh, recharge the batteries, then come back. Mm-hmm. Or is it just... They've pushed it off into the corner, and now it's the same problem when they come back. Are they really going to try and deal with that or take the directive from Chris Jones who says we'll just throw the most talented players on the field and we're going to be okay? Mm-hmm.
1: And guess what? you got Calgary right after the bye week. Oh, man, what a tough luck part. With just before we went on, Jeff and I were talking about how tough this part of the schedule is. This was the 6 games section that we thought was going to determine – or tell us how good or how bad the Saskatchewan Roughriders are. And they're 0-2 in this part of the six-game section, and it's all against Western opponents. What are they? They're 5-17 and under Chris Jones against Western mm-hmm. opponents during his two-plus seasons here. That's why they're struggling. That's why they can't – they're not getting – playoff – they're not doing well in the postseason. They're having trouble in the, pre, in the regular season. They can't
0: beat the Western teams. Those are the guys they have to beat. I uh, – it's interesting though when you when you look at those last two games you can extract some positives from them. I think defensively they they played very well when you look at uh the 34 points against against Calgary was a bit deceiving there was a Calgary had some short fields to work with and there was a punt return touchdown. They mm-hmm. played well against Mike Riley for a lot of that game. There were even the most basic passes Mike Riley was having difficulty completing for a lot of that game. So you can look at that those two games to say, well, there's some things that they can build on. Maybe the offense looked a little better with Zach Caleros at the controls, but when it comes down to it, I think those two games showed that you just can't get away with having a marginal offense. As, as The uh, the game against Edmonton reminded me a bit of the East final last year when mm-hmm. Ricky Ray was being controlled quite well by the Rough Riders, just like Mike Riley was being controlled quite well uh, last Thursday, but when he had to make <laughs> put a drive together to win the game he did it just like Ricky Ray did in the in the East final. I don't know if the Rough Riders can put that kind of drive together. Just like like the rookie quarterback for the Toronto
1: Argonauts did, McLeod Bethel Thompson. Right, so he he put something together. Are they getting game winning performances from their quarterbacks? It doesn't not mm. from Brandon Bridge, not from Zach Caleros. They haven't put them in that opportunity yet. But those are the. Games that the good teams win, as you say, that Ricky Ray wins, that Mike Riley, that Bo Levi Mitchell wins, that Travis Lule is winning, and all of a sudden Matt Nichols in Winnipeg is capable of winning. There's a surprise over the last couple of years who's come out and become a great quarterback. The Rough Riders don't have a great quarterback at the moment, and that makes them uh, quite susceptible to a lot of
2: these teams. And I mean, okay, so they played relatively well against Edmonton. They played relatively well against Calgary. Uh, is the moral victory enough? Mm-hmm. I mean, and and it's not. not you know, this Chris stage. Chris Jones has told us time and time again, it's all about winning, and that's not happening. So, the moral victories are worthless. He he's got to find a way to get these guys over the hump, and I don't see a quick fix coming to the offense just because he is so dead eye focused on the defense. Mm-hmm. Imagine the defensive yeah. coordinator, head coach slash GM is a defensive guy.
1: great point point. and he steals the best offensive players to the defense right he's got a great defense it's absolutely a spectacular defense pressure with three players losing Derek Moncrief hurt a little because he was a great player but that secondary as shallow as it is is still very good they're solid everywhere across the board on defense share some of that strength with the offense
2: you need to have a complete team if you're going to compete mm-hmm. you look at all the the strong teams in the league and sure Calgary's got a great defense, but their offense isn't too shabby. Exactly. Edmonton's got a good defense. Again, offense is really good. Even BC at this point with Lule at the controls who's made a huge difference there. Again, a good defense, a good offense. So they can compete with any team on any given night. And I'm not convinced that the riders are in that position given their troubles on offense that they can compete with the best on any given day
0: when you look at the quarterbacks around the division it I think the rough riders have to play follow the leader a bit as good as their defense is at some point you're going to have to win an arms race and you can't do that with a pea shooter mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. the predicament the rough riders are in because their offense is such an albatross right now yeah. and uh unless unless Zach Caleros and that offense can somehow get moving unless even McAdoo can can find some ways to really enliven that offense I think they're destined just to wallow in mediocrity mm-hmm. because they just don't have as you said Jeff uh, a complete team and when I look at that offense though, I think the personnel's okay the 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 offensive line didn't allow a sack against Edmonton and it it stopped leaking like it was earlier in the year now they've got Zach Caleros back at quarterback um Marcus Stigman and Trey Mesa. I think they're both pretty good tailbacks mm-hmm uh Deron Carter, Naaman Roosevelt and Jordan Williams Lambert is getting better every week. You know, the right. wide receivers are a non-factor, but there's some decent personnel in offense. Is is the system going to inhibit the personnel? Is is the quarterbacking going to inhibit the uh the, some of the talent that's around the quarterback? They they've got some pieces to play with. They didn't necessarily when Daron Carter was playing cornerback and when Brandon Brandon Bridge was the was the quarterback. Now they've got some pieces can they do something with it or are they just doomed to keep you know getting 19 points as they did against Evans? and people like me say oh that's that's better 19 points wow they have to add some pages to their playbook right
1: now it's a very conservative offensive game plan and until they change it then are they going to be able to stay with the high scoring teams
2: and mcadoo puts that conservatism on the quarterbacks mm-hmm well, then how come the quarterbacks aren't moving forward? Mm-hmm. I mean, Bridge has been here a while. He's been in the league a while. And if he can't match what you want him to do, well, maybe it's time to turn the page. But I'm not convinced that if they took the shackles off of him, that he would be as bad as McAdoo, has intimated he would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's got a gun for an arm, and we're, the riders are limiting him to swing passes and five yard outs like Mm -hmm. let's see what happens when he throws the ball down the field a few times because in all reality the defense doesn't have to worry about a deep pass they're crunching onto the line of scrimmage even if the a couple of long passes aren't complete it at least puts that seed of of activity into the minds of the defense that "Mm, geez we better at least recognize they're gonna throw the ball deep and that might help you with the with the mid-range passes and the
0: shorter ones let's see last year when Brandon Bridge came in in relief of Kevin Glenn, by and large, that he could come in and, and, and freestyle it a bit and use his attributes and use his mobility and use his arm. And 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 he was quite effective doing so. This year, it seems teams that teams have had a chance to prepare for Brandon Bridge this year too, as opposed to last year they'd prepare for Kevin Glenn and then in comes Brandon Bridge. So it's a bit of a, a curveball that you're throwing at the defense. But still, it's like they were strategically, it was like they were playing scared when Brandon Bridge was at quarterback and it doesn't exactly instill confidence nor does it when when you're rotating the quarterbacks as they were for a while so the quarterbacking as a whole has, has been such a massive issue and and that was one of the issues coming into coming into the off season I mean it really hasn't they were way better off a year ago with with Kevin Glenn starting and uh, Brandon Bridge relieving than they are now they were paying a lot less too yeah <laughs> And the bottom a, line's good, mm-hmm. and if you're paying Zach Calero's four hundred thirty thousand dollars a year,
2: let him
1: but, but let he, him
2: do something.
1: But he was in a battle to be the starter, wasn't he? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and and the other elephant perfect. in the room is Calero's, given his history the writers don't know that he's going to make it through the end of the season Mm -hmm. all it just takes one more hit so then again what are you going to allow your quarterback to do while you're trying to really really protect him and make sure that he doesn't get another knock that puts him on the sidelines so again I guess McAdoo is a little bit handcuffed in that fashion but do you just throw caution to the wind and he looked really good. The last game he played, Kolaris was throwing the ball down the field. Are we going to let him be even more aggressive this time out and take a chance that the O-line is going to be able to protect him? I mean, that's a that's a big decision because if he goes down again, then they're really in the deep doo-doo.
1: We're talking about the evolution of the offense a little bit. I think the entire team, as we watched last year for Chris Jones, and that's how he progresses. We're We're taking knocks at him now, which we did about mm-hmm. this time last year too. But – the team progressed he put all these pieces together and moved them around and tried them in different spots and we said how ridiculous is that but from that he got some sort of concept of where these players should be where they were at their best and as the season went along he solidified it a little bit he his his roster stabilized the positions they played were far more familiar and he kept them together a lot more they got pretty good at the end of the season they hadn't they they had a good playoff run close in the playoffs but they became the best team they could be by the end of the season and if that's what he's doing again this year if it works again and he puts mm-hmm. these pieces together good for him and good for his 85 coaches that he's got <laughs> on staff and 25 scouts i'm not sure how many he has but uh, because of that the thing had a lot of recommendations but by working it that way he, you see a progression and maybe we're we're just too early in the season to see it falling into place right now
2: but, but this is sorry jeff but ahead. should that happen every season should that be his mo
1: well you almost have to though jeff with the salary cap now you Mm -hmm. lose players right you lose free agents guys retire you decide that you don't want bakari grant rob bag and chad owens right you say they're too expensive we have to pay our money to Chad to zach caleros so there is a turnover all the time in the canadian football league so you have to try to find what pieces fit on defense he didn't have to do very much he's got he did bring in charleston hughes a great addition who still has some life left calgary didn't need him because they have a great defensive line left charleston hughes is still a great defensive end but they also had uh, Willie Jefferson. They had uh, Iguava in the middle linebacker. They had Moncrief at outside linebacker, Butler in the backfield, Gainey in the backfield, Johnson in the backfield. So they're pretty good in a lot of places. And they, Zach they, Evans well, was signed. Zach another, Evans another good was signed. Great point, right. yeah. And Canadian. Mikhail
0: Brooks has made a difference yes, too. Yes, he
1: has. They needed to get some an American in there who can stop the run. They're still very shallow in a lot of places, in the defensive backfield. They're very shallow. The offensive line and the national, the Canadian mm-hmm. content, they're shallow. So you try to find the best combination of guys, and it's a good point. Should he do it every year? Well, in the Canadian Football League, when they're supposed to be adhering to a cap, They have to, I believe.
0: Part of the problem, this is year three of this regime. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be less patience for a sluggish start Mm -hmm. than there was last year or the year before. It was almost like a mulligan for them. So you want to see a progression out of this team. You want to see that they can compete with the uh, Calgarys and the Edmontons and and even the Winnipegs of the world. And haven't seen that. They've lost their two games against the West Division. They've somehow lost to Montreal and that mm. Montreal game just kind of cast a pall over the entire season. Mm. Sometimes it feels like they're one and six because they lost to Jeez. Montreal. When you watch the Alouettes play, how did that how happen? Did anybody lose? We could put together a team and go
1: out and be competitive against the Alouettes. As long as Rob wasn't quarterback.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I played slot back at 44. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. In touch football. I saw that. Yeah. What, what, did you, what did you think of Johnny Menzel? <laughs> segueing so smoothly into Montreal.
2: Well... I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, so I... I My condolences. I, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So I, I followed his, his travels, and I agree with lots of the puns out there who were amazed at the Alouettes, tossing to the Wolves with just four games. I mean, you could have thrown Tom Brady out there, and given the things that he had to work with, I would have been totally gobsmacked if he had had any sort of success. So, and when he started off so poorly there was (laughs) Mm -hmm. the train just got out of control. It'll be interesting to see now what he's going to be like this week after a a week of practice. Um, And he's saying all the right things, which is kind of interesting and is unusual for Johnny. You know, he's talking about, you know, he took, he took ownership of, of the debacle that was and, and uh, talks about, you know, I've got lots of things to learn. The league is humbling me. And I mean, if he's really earnest about learning and, and becoming that kind of quarterback, my problem with it is i don't think Montreal is the place that he's going to find that success i mean i think mike sherman is he overestimated underestimated the league and so he's playing a serious game of catch up and he doesn't have a general manager in cavis reed that can help him so I, mm-hmm. I can't see that that tire fire getting extinguished anytime soon so it's interesting to see how he's going to how manza will progress when he has to deal with all this negativity I mean, a couple of weeks is one thing, but if he has to go through the remaining 10 weeks of the season, constantly getting
0: pounded every week.
2: Is it Vince Ferragamo part two?
0: Well... There's an old reference. Uh, yeah, that but nobody's going to get into it either. But Vince,
2: <laughs> his problem was he just couldn't find that 12th guy. Yeah. You know, he still had all his tools... And he had a good team around him. I mean, he had great receivers, a good line, great running backs. So he should have succeeded. There was no reason for him to fail. Whereas you look at Johnny Manziel, can can you name three other starting players on the Montreal offense that are quality players? Yeah, I
0: mean, Vince Ferragamo, We had James Scott, Billy White Shoes Johnson, David Overstreet. They had some some weapons. This team.
2: And they had a coach that knew the Canadian League and, and knew how to Play the game. none of that.
0: They got Terrell Sutton and uh, the player, uh, the receiver, once known as Ernest Jackson. Mm-hmm. And, uh- it's, it's it's it there really isn't a lot there really isn't a lot left on that montreal team uh, how do you how do you make that work i
1: don't know that franchise is almost it's it's just it's on a bad course because it used to be one of the best and once robert wettenhall the the owner moved aside and his son andrew took over and has been obviously bamboozled by the friendliness of Cavis reed we know Cavis to be a very friendly guy and he can convince you of a lot of things but What's he ever done to prove that he can be a general manager? And he's proving over and over again that he's incapable of doing that job. And that's what's put Montreal in such a mess that you pointed out, Jeff. There's nobody there for Johnny Manziel to rely on. It was such a desperation move for them to get some notoriety and to get a quarterback who might be able to turn into something. But the the situation that they threw him into, no way anybody could succeed there.
0: Well, Daryl, you've you've been a landmark contributor to the podcast. You're the first one to use bamboozled. Uh Jeff, you use gobsmacked, <laughs> so you're also on the board. Um I'm we need a bingo board. So yeah, impressed by to be, this. Exactly. I'm gonna have to come up with some more forty eight dollar words for next Murray week. Murray will walk in and say, What do these words mean?
2: Yeah. <laughs> gobsmacked, what <laughs> is that?
0: Bamboozled. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, Daryl, thank you so much for, uh, no commercial breaks, no commercial breaks. We are done yes, and, then. and, uh, you will be uncompensated and <laughs> unceremoniously escorted out the door. Well, my, my key pass didn't work when I tried to get back into the leader post building. It's only 10 years old. Well, I mine well, didn't either. Well, see, any mine
2: worked today, but yeah. give it three days and it probably won't.
0: Yes. Huh? We should, uh, pay our respects to Jeff. Uh, after 29 years at the leader post, uh, he's, uh, leaving us at the end of the week. And Moving so, on, my man. Good career, it's Jen. Way to go. absolutely thank you. wonderful to work with you and uh, mm-hmm. look forward to keeping in touch. And I hope your golf game gets down to 120 <laughs> by the time yeah, the summer's Yeah, that's over. right.
2: 120, I'll be happy with.
0: Welcome to the Annuate club. Yeah, the <laughs> Annuate club. Uh, I'm still here. I love being the youngest member of a trio. That doesn't happen very <laughs> often. And it certainly won't happen after this week. So, Daryl, Jeff, uh, I'm Rob so. Vanstone. Thanks, Thanks for so. being with us. And we'll do it next week for number 14. And we're going to have you back, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Take care and thank you.